Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Trilog is one of only few consultancies in the country that focuses exclusively on corporate responsibility issues. Over two decades, 20 years of research and experience puts us at the forefront of new developments in sustainability and corporate social investment. They launched Trilog, that is their 24th edition of the Business in Society handbook, themed how business can help build back better. The handbook looks at how the private sector can help to rebuild, especially in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic and other crises. It concludes Trilog's bespoke research and corporate social investment in South Africa. Case studies are included rather, insightful articles on responsible business, an overview of development sector spend for 2021, and viewpoints from a range of industry leaders. And I suppose we have to engage this in the light of the circumstance the country finds herself in and the role essentially of business from a social, ethic, and moral perspective versus or over the profit incentive inherent to business. Ms. Kathy Duff, then, the director at Trilog, is on the line. Kathy, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Good evening, Sangeza, and good evening to your listeners. Corporate social responsibility, for many, it is that. For many, it is a way to defer funds for the leaders of business to enjoy without necessarily going through the route of declaring or earning and then paying tax on that. And in some instances, certainly those budgets, as the state capture report and the evidence we've all been hearing for the last three years has given a strong indication that when we talk about these schemes that are given fancy terms in business at their skeletal level, it is all about corruption. So in the 20 years you have been engaging this, perhaps you are in a better position to educate even me. What are we really talking about when we talk about CSI in corporations? Okay, so corporate social investment, um, we define it as just one part of broader responsibility, uh, which, as <clears throat> you mentioned, speaks to broader ethics and the environmental practices of a business and the governance practice. Practices. So, um, in our handbook, which you which you mentioned in your introduction, we do contain a, a lot of information and articles on broader co- corporate social um, responsibility. But then, corporate social investment is the subset of that, where corporates either donate products or services or money or time of their employees to social causes external to the business. So that means not necessarily to their employees, but to the communities around the business. Um, And as you mentioned, we've been tracking this for almost a quarter of a century now. And um, corporate social investment actually has a very long history in South Africa, going Mm. back way longer than we've been tracking it. And I think when you look at the larger companies, there's many reasons that they do it. But um, I think, you know, the intro and focusing on corruption is not what we see with the vast majority of large companies in South Africa. There's some really good strategic corporate social investment programs. Um, we, we estimated that last year, in total, companies provided 10.3 billion rand 
um, to social causes outside of the business, uh, which is obviously a significant amount, but that's made up of, of many, many companies. And although it's difficult to have one measure of what the outcomes of that are, you know, we con- we cover various case studies and look at the impact that these programs have on an individual and community level. 10.3 billion, I mean, that is some serious money that per se does not have to go back into society, but business for want of its high ethic wants it to go back into business because I suppose if you look after the community, the complementary aspect to that is that the community will look after you. Is there a way that you have found in your research that sort of coordinates this financial power that CSI is in this country that is then channeled in such a way as to have the kind of impact society would hope to see as much as 10.3 billion. For instance, do we get the sense that this 10.3 billion does the work of 10.3 billion? How is this money distributed? To what extent or level are those who receive these monies accountable against what they put forward as plans to use this money and what is the net effect gain for society in that regard? Okay, um, quite a few questions in there. Let me start with the first one, which was around, you know, are there mechanisms to coordinate that funding? Um, not the total amount. So, you know, companies obviously have the discretion to spend that money as they yes. fit. Saying that, there are a number of collaborative initiatives um, that are quite sector-specific where companies contribute and there is coordination of funds. So we see that in the education sector with the um, National Education Collaboration Trust, for example. And during COVID, we saw that with the Solidarity Fund, um, to which many companies contributed, um, and that was then coordinated across Mm, mm, causes. So that's kind of the first part of your question. The second part, where does that money go? We, We survey large companies every year. And what we find, and we found last year as well, in 2021, that the vast majority of companies support projects um, in the education sector. So over 90% of companies support projects in education. And these projects receive, on average, an average of 9% of the total expenditure. So, so that's the sector that receives the most. And I think it's, it makes sense given that companies are... Um, wanting to firstly improve and support the education system, but also to build skills for future employees, customers, etc. Um, <coughs> last year, we also saw quite a shift in where that money went. Mm-hmm. So education has always been the top sector, but there was less money um, spent on it last year, and more money went into food relief and disaster relief, and that was obviously a direct result of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So there was a slight shift in where that money went. Um, so the top sector was education. And the next one was something which we call social and community development, mm-hmm. which is quite a broad sector covering um, orphans and vulnerable children, uh, general community infrastructure, elderly people, um, etc. Um, and then the third most popular sector was the food security and agriculture sector. So in terms of sector spend, that's where we saw the money going. Um, in terms of geographies, most 
of the money or the largest portion of it went to projects in two or more provinces, so what we term the national projects. But if you look at individual projects, uh, provinces, Gauteng actually received the most expenditure, followed by KwaZulu-Natal and Western Cape. Uh, again, I think this is, you know, this makes sense given that this is where companies have the largest footprint and companies are often supporting causes close to their operation. It makes sense in that regard, certainly, but precisely because of that reason, the other provinces, Eastern Cape, Limbabwe, Northwest, Free State, Northern Cape in particular, where the presence of these organizations and their footprint would be that much more less, if you like, then fall further behind because in the ordinary sense, they don't have these business operations taking place there. They provide the migrant workers, I'm a boy from the Eastern Cape, but operating exclusively from Gauteng, and many others have similar stories mm-hmm. to KZN, Gauteng, and Western Cape. And because of that, there's been a greater deficit in the Eastern Cape, because not only are the funds not going there from a CSI perspective, but also their skill base is being further depleted. Does then this not have the unintended consequence then? Look, it's not to say that no funding goes to these provinces. Um, I accept, as I, I accept. I'm just, just yeah, purely yeah. based the on largest, the trends. Yeah, the largest allocation is in fact to those national projects, which covers multiple provinces. But, but you're right. Um, <clears> there is always that decision which companies need to make. You know, do we go close to our operations? And I think that's what most small and medium-sized enterprises do. Um, or do we spread it out and go to the areas that are most in need? Uh, which which are often trickier to fund, um, not just because of the, the distance, but there's often not necessarily as many service providers there or non-profit organizations. So it is a decision that, that companies need to take. And certainly a lot of the large corporates do um, try to roll out their programs in multiple provinces for that very reason. Mm. Here's the question that I really want to end off on, and I think you can spend a bit of time in this because I think we do also want to empower those in the NGO space or in the small business segment who then would rely or would be hopeful to get the set, the sort of support that allows their operations or programs to proliferate and have a greater impact than what they currently do enjoy. How does one in that space, NGO or small business, access a piece of this pie, 10.3 billion rands worth of the pie, especially somebody from Pampirstadt in the Northern Cape, Northern Cape, somebody from Tsolo in the Eastern Cape, somebody from Valcom in the Free State. They have so much work to do, particularly from the social development perspective, if we just look at the sort of landscape that these places obviously have to operate within. But they need these funds, and they don't have places to go to in Tsolo, Pampirstad, in Valcom, yes. that have these funds to disperse. How do they access, and what are those who are dispersing the funds essentially looking for? Okay, so our advice to the nonprofits is always, you know, don't take the spray and pray approach, where you send in hundreds of. <clears throat> applications or communications um, to hundreds of organizations. Rather, you know, do some research and focus on fewer organizations where you can find some alignment. So what we always recommend to companies is that their expenditure, their social investment is 
um, aligned to the business in some way, either geographically or um, through providing products and services that the company provides, you know, so a telco, a, a telco providing airtime or data or mm-hmm. equipment, etc. So, so what we then suggest that the nonprofits do, and, and I mean, a, one of the good starting points is for them to to go to our website and download this handbook because it contains information mm-hmm. on the top 100 CSR programs in South Africa. But is to still look local and see what businesses are local who we can apply to and what can we offer them. So firstly, you need to be able to demonstrate the results or the outcomes, um, the social outcomes that you are achieving. Um, and then you also need to be able to say, what can, how can we help the business? You know, whether it's through volunteering opportunities uh, for employees in that business or whether it's through asking them not for money but for product or service or space donations. So, you know, applying to companies in a very bespoke manner. So doing research into, into what they fund and what the core business of the company is and then aligning your request to that. So, you know, asking them for not only financial but also non-financial support um, saying how their support would benefit the social side, so the community, but also how that support would benefit the business. Um, so how would you benefit their brand? But beyond that, um, how can you help them in their customer markets, for example, or, or whatever it may be? So, so we really recommend doing some research into those different companies and then um, developing kind of bespoke applications that speak to the business. Because as you can imagine, um, the larger companies particularly get thousands of applications each year. Uh, And, you know, the standard ones are often overlooked. But if you can somehow make it bespoke, make it speak to that company, offer them both social outcomes but also business benefits, which is what we call the strategic CSI, Mm -hmm. I think you've got a much better chance of accessing those those funds. Let's leave it there. Powerful point upon which to end. The jury is out as to whether or not in the general sense these small entities have got the necessary capacity to be able to get onto the table and have an audience with these multinationals in certain instances or just large corporations in the general sense to be able to receive those. So certainly there is scope to train small players to be able to exercise the necessary collaboration of time, effort, resources, and skill to give themselves a genuine opportunity of being beneficiaries of how capital flows from bigger entities to where there is need in smaller entities. But for your time and thoughts on that, Kathy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Director at Trilog, talking to us about the Business in Society Handbook how businesses can help build back better. We could never have a full conversation, but certainly that podcast will offer good sound bites and hints for those who are operating in that CSI, CSR space. 2135, one more conversation about health.